0: The Scoop Podcast, brought to you by PPG, the official
1: paint of the Pittsburgh Penguins.
0: Welcome into the latest edition of the Scoop Podcast, presented by PPG, as we welcome you inside the broadcast situation. Alongside Sam Kassan, I'm Josh Getzoff, and our guest today, Penguins goaltender Tristan Jari. Jars, thanks for taking the time with us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: I have to say, Sam and I were talking to a lot of your teammates, and when we were asking about things that we could learn to talk to you about here today, one of the first things that probably, what, Sam, 80% of the guys we talked 90, to said was, 90. you're talking <laughs> to him for a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> they, weren't, yeah. they weren't giving us a lot to work with there. What, what's, what's behind the masked man here that we can work with?
1: Yeah, I don't really speak too much. Like I guess <laughs> I just try to keep quiet, keep to myself, and it's something with, with when I'm with the guys, I'm not really... Too much of a jokes here, so it's I'm pretty quiet usually around the rink.
2: Is that kind of way you've always been, or when you were younger, maybe you were a little more outgoing, maybe with your high school friends or college, you know, well not college, but high school friends or even in your youth?
1: No, I've always been pretty quiet. Both of my parents are pretty quiet; they usually keep to themselves. So it's I think it just comes from my family. We've always been a quiet family. You
2: just sit around the dinner table and not speak.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's usually how it was.
0: That's the goaltender position maybe in a nutshell. You guys are just a little bit different, right? Like you guys always are, I know you're by yourself for a lot of the game as far as maybe within your own thoughts and everything like that. I mean, that seems to just be kind of the personality with that.
1: Yeah, you're by yourself for probably 70, 80% of the game. Like you don't get, when you don't have action, you're just standing there. You're with your own thoughts and you just have to stay sharp the whole time. What's going through your head when you're down there? Are uh, you songs just, in your head or you're, uh, you're just kind of <laughs> looking around, uh, checking out the crowd. Yeah, making sure you're staying focused when, <laughs> I guess when the game's not on, I'm looking at the Jumbotron quite a bit to see what's playing, just to <laughs> give my mind a bit of a break.
2: There was one goaltender uh, one year was looking at the Jumbotron in a replay and he dropped the puck and he got scored on. Do you remember know who that was? It was
0: uh, anti Nidamaki.
2: Is that who it was? Against Philly? the Penguins.
0: Yeah. Max Talbot scored Yeah, yeah from like the neutral it zone. He yeah. was like
2: watching the replay of a goal and then they dropped the puck at center ice and Max Talbot shot it from center ice and he was still looking up and it went <laughs> in. I do remember seeing that. <laughs> <laughs> that's so. like
0: gotta be a goalie's worst
2: nightmare.
1: <laughs> exactly, yeah, definitely.
2: Let's start with Edmonton since you were obviously here uh, with the Oil Kings for quite a few years and a lot of good memories obviously from this. And what are your memories from those runs? Obviously a Western Hockey League title, Memorial Cup. What do you kind of remember from those uh, championship runs?
1: Uh, just all the friends and all the people that you connected with. Like I was here for almost four and a half years, and so just all the friends that you made and all the people that you met along the way, it's been a huge help for me, and obviously I've stayed connected with them over all this time and being on the East Coast, so it's, it was fun to be a part of it, and it's something I'll cherish forever. Do you want to say something nice about the Billets? <laughs> so uh, yeah, we standing, have a live standing. studio <laughs> audience for our <laughs> <laughs> listeners, by the way. are standing in the uh, room. Yeah, my Billets have been with me the whole way so it's it's nice that I get to give back to them a little bit and make sure that I'm able to bring them everywhere with I go. They usually come out to Pittsburgh or Wilkes-Barre once a year and watch me play a couple games so I'm very thankful that they they've done that and I try and do the best I can give back to them.
0: I feel like that's a unique thing with hockey too, especially in the junior ranks. You know the billet situation obviously you're from British Columbia so not necessarily going super far to come here to Edmonton when you played your junior hockey but at the same time I'm sure stepping a little bit out of your comfort zone and I know you're not the only one in that Penguins dressing room that dealt with something like that when you went and played junior or you know you just left your natural hockey playing spot to go pursue your career in another destination. How much of a role do they play in in just helping you develop maybe off the ice with things that you wouldn't think about?
1: Yeah, it was huge. I got placed with a family first that Wanted to travel a little bit more, so then I got placed in my second billet family probably two or three weeks later, and I didn't know at that point if I was going to stay with Edmonton and otter or if they were going to send me back to British Columbia for another year of development. So I was very thankful that I got to spend the year with the team, and we ended up going a long way and making all the way the Memorial Cup, and obviously your billets play a huge part in that. They're there for all the ups and downs, and they cook you all your meals, <laughs> they do everything for you. So I'm very thankful for that. And I have two lifelong friendships I'll have for the rest of my life.
2: How hard is it to leave home, too? A lot of
1: people don't think about that. You're moving away from your own home. Yeah, it's it's difficult when you're 16 years old to just get up and go. It's something that your bills play a huge part in. And I have a brother at home. And moving in, I was going from being the oldest to the youngest. So (laughs) it's something that took a little bit to get used to, but it was fun at it made my transition a lot easier. When you're a
0: junior hockey goaltender, or a junior hockey player for that matter, to win the memorial cup, for, for you is that something that you know when you're growing up you, you you're looking to do that, is that a goal of yours? I mean obviously you know, Sam and I grew up in the United States and junior is not necessarily something you're looking at initially, you want to go play college, but for you guys over north of the border here in Canada, I assume that you know to continue your hockey career you want to play junior, but then after that the goal is to win the championship in junior and you were able to backstop the team to do that.
1: Yeah, it's the pinnacle of junior hockey. It's not something that every kid gets to do growing up and I was very thankful that I got to play for the Oil Kings and we had four great teams every year I was there and it was something that happened over the year just the team came together quicker and quicker after every game and I think that's what helped us a lot. We weren't really one of the most high scoring teams or the strongest teams. I think we were just one of the teams that came together the fastest and were able to continue at throughout the year.
2: Moving looking ahead to Vancouver a little bit. You said you grew up t- 20 minutes away from the, the rink? Yeah. So were you a Canucks fan
1: as a kid? Yeah I was always a Canucks fan and it seemed like every night my parents got home for work we had a hockey game on the TV <laughs> or we were playing hockey in the basement just with our sticks and a tennis ball so it was something that I guess we grew up with. Did you go to a lot of games? Yeah, my parents actually had uh, season tickets with their company, two rows behind the longo, so Oh, I nice. watched a lot of longo. Is he a guy that you, you idolized growing up? Did you have certain goaltenders that you really liked? Uh, I really liked Dan Cluche. Okay. He was oh, one that's, of the, that's a throwback. He was one of the first Vancouver goalies I watched, and then there was Alex Auld, Johan Hedberg, so it was, I went through quite a few. <laughs>
0: He's a goaltending coach, I believe, now for Vancouver, yep.
1: right? Do you get to connect with him
0: at all? Just kind of crossing paths <clears> in the <throat> NHL the last couple of seasons? Or
1: uh, funny thing is, when he uh, he was on, interviewed me for my 2013 draft, so <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty cool to see. And when he asked me, he asked who my favorite goalie was, and I <laughs> said him. He said, "I had a poor childhood." <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a good line. We understand I, there's a
1: massive dog that you yeah, have, a little bit about. Us. I have a massive dog. Uh, <laughs> he's a 185 pound English mastiff. He's fawn color and he's named diesel diesel. Appropriate.
0: <laughs> I think Jim Rutherford has mastiffs, right? Yeah, he's right got two know. bull mastiffs. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You guys bond over that. At all? Yeah, we do. <laughs> His
2: 180 pounds. That
0: seems
1: like a lot. <laughs> His, a player. Player His are a little blue. bit
2: smaller, but diesel too. I like the yeah, name. It's perfect fitting.
1: Well, your grandparents have an interesting story. Um, you were telling me they live in Mexico and travel uh, the entire world? And yeah, they've lived in Mexico, and then my dad's side's lived in Florida and Arizona, and my grandparents and my mom's side actually traveled through Vietnam and everything last year. They spent six months there just going from hotel to hotel. And in Vietnam?
2: Yeah. different cities in Vietnam? Yeah,
1: walking around. And so I guess that was their plan when they retired <laughs> was just travel the ro- world. Do you have, is that in you? Do you have the uh, urge to travel and see all these different places? Uh, not right now. <laughs> I mean, with all the traveling that we do, I think that's enough. That's, fair, that's a fair point. So you grew up in Surrey, correct? North Delta. North Delta.
0: How close is that to Surrey? Uh, about rocks throw. Because <laughs> then hockey reference is yeah. wrong. So, <laughs> well, I don't know how many times hockey reference is wrong, but obviously we trust you where you're from. Uh, But any event, uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the Olympics that were there in 2010. Did you have a chance to see anything live there, or were you kind of watching from a distance? What was it like? I actually was there. I was working for NBC in those Olympics. It was my first taste of Vancouver, and I loved it. But from your perspective, growing up in the area and seeing it become kind of like the center of the sports world, not just hockey, that had to have been pretty cool.
1: Yeah, we went to all the hockey games and then we were a part of the opening ceremony and the closing ceremony just with all the lights and the pieces of paper, I guess, that you had to hold up for the TV. So it was pretty cool to be a part of and it was something that obviously I'll remember forever is cool watching Sidney score the goal there and then being on his team now. Yeah, Were you at the game? The gold medal game?
0: Well, yeah, that was a cool moment. And I remember, I think it started with Wayne Gretzky running down the street with the Olympic torch, right? Yeah. That would have been cool. Yeah, too. it
1: started outside, and we were inside the arena at BC Place, and then he ran outside, and then you just see it on the Jumbotron what was happening. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you see and all the lights went off, and everything lit up. Yeah,
0: that was a really cool. That was a, I remember the big thing with that Olympics was that they couldn't get snow to whistle. It. No. Because the weather yeah. was not cooperating, they yeah. had to like manufacture fake snow up in Whistler with that. Yeah, is that a common up there? Or I feel like that's a pretty big skiing destination, Whistler.
1: Yeah, Whistler is Vancouver. We probably get snow once or twice a year, and it's gone within a couple hours. So, it's they knew they weren't going to have it in Vancouver for all the winter sports or I guess snow sports. Mm. So, it was just a matter of poor timing with the snow, I guess, for <laughs> there.
2: It's kind of a crazy story, yeah. <laughs> So, you got to see Luonga obviously win the uh, gold medal too.
1: Yeah. So, kind of full circle for you in that yeah. sense. <laughs> did you go cool. to just the gold medal games, or did you go to all the games in the. Uh, uh, no, we game? went to quite a few. I think we went to Finland and Czech, and it was 3 2 Finland or something. How we old went, were you at that time? Oh, 10 maybe. So, you're just a wee boy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that must have been pretty cool though. I mean, you see like the best players on the planet with all yeah. these different countries right in your backyard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it was pretty cool. We went, spent a day up in Whistler, and then we did the ceremony, and then watched a couple of games. So it was pretty cool, and it was pretty cool to see how many people came in for Vancouver and everything that happened. Like you still see today, all the Olympic cars driving around, right. and still everything from that happened at the Olympics.
0: Was there an event that you went to or that you watched there that you had maybe never seen live before that you kind of thought, "Wow, this is this is pretty incredible." Something that just as maybe unique to the Winter Olympics?
1: Uh, No, not really. Just growing up in Vancouver, we always had a little bit of everything. Like, we got the ski hill an hour away. We have Whistler's two and a half, and then you're right on the ocean, too. So you get a little bit of everything there, and I was very fortunate to grow up there, and my parents were able to take me to all those things.
2: So you said you watched Sidney Crosby score the winning goal, and now you're his teammate. Going back to the draft, um, what was it like when you found out the Penguins had selected you and that you were
1: going to be part of the Penguins organization? It was pretty cool. Like, uh, I think Winnipeg had a couple of picks before that, and I was sitting with my dad and my brother. And my dad just kind of leaned over from, to me, and he said, you're going to be picked next, <laughs> without even knowing it. And then uh, I think Columbus traded their pick, and then Pittsburgh got it, and I ended up getting picks next. So yeah, sure cool. traded up, Yeah. yeah. So What was going through your head, like this is real, this is really happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. It was one of those moments of shock where you're kind of just so excited and you just kind of black out, and then you <laughs> walk down and you get escorted and you get the jersey on, and then it's just a million people crowding you with interviews. Is so that when it, it feels real? Like when you got the jersey and you're on this, you know, uh, meeting all the, the GM and the coach and everybody that's there? I think kind of after it is when I went and I got picked and everything was all done and I went and met my dad and brother back in the Penguins box is when it kind of <laughs> felt surreal to me.
0: What's the first person you think of in something like that? Like is there a guy or is it a woman that comes to mind as far as just having an impact on you when you, you realize your dream and get drafted?
1: Uh, just my parents. Like, yeah. My parents were there to take me to practice, cook me meals, make sure I'm always on time. I think I was never late for a practice. I was always <laughs> at least two hours early. So I think (laughs) that was something that always helped me and I'm very fortunate for them. You put a lot of work
2: in, not only the uh, Mulksbury Scran to get to where you are now, but a couple years down there. Where do you think your game has matured and maybe improved from the moment you were drafted and becoming part of the
1: Penguins organization to where it is now? Just with Andy and Mike, and obviously Mike Bales as well, I think they played a huge role in developing my game and just making sure that I was always at my best. They were always pushing me. I think that was an element that I was missing from my game was just my practice habits and they were always pushing me and always wanted me to strive to be my best. And I think that was something that I embraced and something that helped my game a lot.
2: And you look back at those uh, those years in Wilkesbury, like really paying your dues and riding the bus and having to go through all that to get to where you are makes you appreciate it even more?
1: Yeah, I love playing in Wilkesbury. It was a lot of fun and I Met a lot of great people there, and there's a lot of people that I'll always remember, and I think it's one of the cities that's a great hockey city, and it was great to play in the American League with them, and I loved every second of it.
0: When you were named the NHL's second star of the week a couple weeks ago, you had the, the media horde crowding around your stall, and I happened to be standing on the other side of the room across from you with Matt Murray, and he was he's like, look, look at them all looking at jars. They love him. He's a star <laughs> now. But I, but I guess my point there is that This seems to be a relationship with the two of you that's a pretty good one and i know that in these situations you could always see guys get competitive with one another and i'm sure there is that to an extent but i even noticed after you guys beat calgary to begin this road trip that he was right there to greet you with a big smile and a big hug and i've seen you do the same for him when he's been winning games earlier this year how much has that helped too just having that kind of a relationship with a guy that you're clearly friends with just beyond just being his teammate
1: yeah he's my best friend we've been best friends ever since we've been in Wilkes-Barre. I think even before that, like we were talking about on the bus, as we went to the outdoor rink the other day. We had the memories of going to the Hockey Canada at the (laughs) Olympic Village. So it was one of those things that we shared for a while, and just we were both drafted to Pittsburgh at that time, so we bonded over that, and that's how we got to know each other. And then just playing in Wilkes-Barre, we kind of attached to each other. We both had a lot of common things that we liked, both big dogs. And I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> big dogs and trucks. It's so <laughs> a big it goalie thing. It, uh, it helped a lot and almost every road trip we go for dinner and it's a lot of fun and it's fun doing it with your best friend. How much has he been a mentor to you too? Because the guy's got obviously two Stanley Cups
2: on his resume. I'm sure you go to him for advice or help or situations like that. Because I feel like goaltenders, it's a lonely road because you can't really go a defenseman or forward and explain, you yeah, know, you're right, you yeah. need the other goaltender
1: that can really understand what you're going through. Yeah, it's huge. Like, Every time I go back to the bench, he's always telling me what he sees, and when he comes to the bench, I'm telling him what I see, and I think it helps us a lot because you have two eyes on the game, basically, where sometimes you might not have that. So I think coming back to the bench and he's telling me and giving me pointers, I, that's huge for me, and it makes me feel better about my game as well. well the
2: pointers helped you set a uh, franchise record shutout streak of 177 minutes and 15 seconds. Does that really suck in for you yet, or do you pinch yourself? or? How's it feel having your name in the
1: record books for the Penguins franchise? It's pretty cool. It's never something I really thought of or anything that I really strive for. It was something that I just want to play my best at all times and get better and better every day. And I think it, it was just something that comes with hard work. Did you know going into that game that you had a chance to set the record? Uh, I didn't know what the record was. I knew what Mark's record was, I think, the two, two years ago. Okay, yeah. But I didn't know what the actual record was.
2: So you just went in not knowing that you could hit yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. Because we were off up in the press box. And we, we were counting <laughs> down the minutes, like, hoping no, to get it. And I knew, uh, yeah. like, oh, he's got to get to the second period <laughs> with eight minutes left. See, I,
1: all I knew was the first period. I had to get six minutes in to pass Mark in okay. 2014, 2015. So and you were I, watching the clock a little bit. But I didn't know any more past that. You didn't sure, know yeah. Thomas McCoon. No, I didn't yeah. know he was number one. No, 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 you're
0: number one right <laughs> <laughs> one thing that I thought was cool after that was you were asked about the streak and you said that you know when you get back in net next you're going to start another one and then you did shut out the Columbus Blue Jackets in your next game how much of that do you think is a, a little bit more of the maturity aspect that you talked about maybe just the practice habits but also maybe the mental approach as well
1: yeah I think it's huge like I think going in and Wanting to stop every puck is a huge thing for me. Like I want to stop every puck. I want to stop every puck in practice. I want to be able to push the guys to really make their best shot to score on me. You also can stick hand a little bit too. We got a goal in your resume.
2: You can kind of walk us through the goal that you scored <laughs> in uh, the American Hockey League at Springfield. Uh,
1: I tried a couple times. I tried once earlier and again on Tuesday on Hershey. <laughs> and actually, Dustin Tokarski threw a stick yeah, <laughs> and, and stopped it. So that was one where... That's what you should have had, is what you're saying. Yeah, I tried. That, a was, goals. that was my first try, and then it happened later on in the year. They dumped it right in on me, and I had quite a bit of time. And I looked up, and they're they were changing, so I just threw it down, and... I got a lucky bounce and it went in. I guess because
2: like, I watch you in practice every day, and you don't practice shooting into the net, so like, where does the instinct come? Because obviously you've got to get a trajectory up so it clears all the players, but kind of like punt it in a way so that it lands and ske- skeets in. Like, Is it something you used to work on, or is it just kind of natural?
1: No, I think it's just something that's come natural. I've always wanted to score, and I always <laughs> thought about it, but it was always something that was very tough to do, Just. With the players, as soon as you get the puck, they're obviously coming straight at you, so it's something where just getting off as quick as you can was always my thought. And where do you
2: develop that kind of stick handling? Because it seems like some goaltenders are really good at it, some are really bad at it. <laughs> it seems like it's such a natural thing for yeah. some and so easy and then so difficult for others. For you, is
1: it a natural thing? You just kind of have a comfort with it? Yeah, it just came natural to me. Uh, just playing around with the puck, I guess, before practice and shooting and just thinking about where I want to shoot and see if I can actually hit it. That was always my thought and always something that I practiced, I guess.
0: Were you always a goalie? Did you So you developed that kind of just with the goaltending stick, or did you play out that maybe helped a little bit in the beginning of things?
1: Uh, I played out for quite a, quite a bit. I always played out playing winter hockey and then goalie. I played in summer hockey just because we didn't have many goalies, and there was only one goalie on our summer team, so I got to play a lot. Okay. So then winter hockey, we always rotated, so I always liked skating.
2: And the most important thing about being goalie is
1: having a nice mask, right? The fancy fancy design. (laughs) Exactly. Where did the uh, Tom and Jerry come from? Uh, I came when I played in Edmonton. It was one of those things where I didn't really have anything to start, so my first helmet was actually Zombies. I had had (laughs) zombies all over it. It Did you choose zombies? I did, and it was a very poor decision. Uh, Were you like a Walking Dead fan at the time or something? It was was a Walking Dead house. It was zombies. So then uh, we had two Europeans, Christian Pallas and Marty Gurnett, and they'd always say, Tom, where's where's your cat? Or Gary, where's (laughs) the mouse? So then I kind of thought about it a little bit. I was like, I could do the play on with that. And then with Christian passing away, the next year, or two years after that, I thought that would be a great thing to, oh, nice. uh, I guess, always think of them, To, to kind of honor him in a way? Yeah. How hard is that when you see something like that, the tragedies that can strike and kind of puts everything in perspective, too? Yeah, it's huge. Like It was something that was unexpected for all of us, and it's hard when you're that young and you're that close, and you're with them every day, and you're spending it every second with them basically at the rink on road trips, so it was something that hit our team pretty hard and is something I think helped our team and brought our team a little bit closer as well. And for the mask I know you had fans also design you had a contest, didn't you? In yeah. Where, where did that idea come from and uh, what did you think of the final design? It was awesome. The girl that designed it did an awesome job and uh, my only rule was I had to have Tom and Jerry incorporated in it, <laughs> so that was the only rule that I had, and I had a lot of great designs come in, and it was very hard to pick. And did you actually pick, or uh, yeah, I picked. And then how many uh, designs do you think came in? I think close to 50. Oh wow!
2: Oh wow! That's yeah. a lot. <laughs> That's a lot so there was a thing, lot of yeah.
1: graphic designs. There were some people that drew them. Artists and Wilkesbury. Yeah. <laughs> so then, uh, I think just I wanted to help out. I knew uh, Wilkesbury was really big with big brothers and big sisters so it was something that they always came to us during the year and asked if anybody wanted to help and I thought it would be a good thing to start with my helmet and every game I gave tickets to a couple people who wanted to come and their parents and then I gave them a gift basket and I think it really brought them like most of the people that did come to the game was their first ever hockey game. so awesome to see and hopefully you made a couple fans out of it that enjoy hockey now. And you were named AHL Man of the Year for that too. Yeah it, was, that's gonna it be- was something that the team really helped me with this with I went there with ideas and they were able to accommodate all the ideas and Vaughn donated me a helmet and I asked Dana if I was able to get another paint job for my helmet and that's how the design came around and then a, with all the tickets and everything, Pittsburgh helped a lot just with all the legal side of it, and it worked out great, and we were able to raise a lot of money for the Big Brothers and Big Sisters in Wilkes-Barre.
2: And why Big Brothers Big Sisters? Just, I know there's so many charities,
1: obviously, you could pick anyone. Is there a certain reason that you chose that one in particular? Uh, just all the young kids. Like You see all the underprivileged kids that maybe don't get books or anything, so it was a big thing that... I was able to do that for them, get them all books, get them all school supplies, and I think that was something that helped them get a long way and go a long way and just basically start somewhere, I guess. And you obviously feel the responsibility of the role that you have.
2: Um, how does it make you feel when you see the changes, the positive changes in these kids, and maybe when their faces light up when they get these opportunities to either come to games or meet you after the games?
1: It was huge. Like you see, it was kind of a little bit awkward at first because they didn't really (laughs) know who they were meeting or why they were meeting him. So it was just something where we talked for about 10-15 minutes and we took some pictures and I asked them how the game went, if they enjoyed it, if they wanted to come back and I got very positive feedback so it was something that I loved doing and I was very happy that Wilkes-Barre was able to help me do it.
0: Have you continued to try to pursue stuff with Big Brothers Big Sisters
1: in Pittsburgh? Since so coming back up here, yeah, or is that it's kind of on the radar? It's, it's definitely on the radar, it's definitely something that I want to start again and see if I'm able to do here as well, I think it's a huge help and especially in the role that we're in, we're able to help a lot and people definitely take good to designing a helmet, so hopefully I could do that in the near future.
0: Was there a helmet that you thought was the coolest for goaltenders when you were growing up? I mean, Dan Cloutier had no design, if I remember.
2: Yeah, he had that. the, the yeah. old school with yeah, the little cage. Yeah, yeah. he just had the Canuck logo just on the, the cage, yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, I always liked Marty Turco. Okay. Just because he had like the mirror paint with the goblin. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that was cool because nobody else really had a shiny helmet at the time or any of the mirror paint, and now you see how many people do it around the NHL. So it's something that I always thought was cool growing up. Do you have a specific person that designs your helmets? Uh, I do Shiloh Brush now, and then I use Jason Bartozak out of Jasper before, and that's who's always designed my helmet, is those two. You just say, all right,
2: get Tom and Jerry in there, and the rest is up to you, or do you give them
1: a little bit of feedback? No, like, I just uh, say, Anything with Tom and Jerry. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything else you work into your helmets aside from the Tom and Jerry? Is there any like you know initials or anything like that going there? Uh, I've always done my grandpa on the back plate, and then uh, my first couple helmets I did play for pals, and okay. other than that I haven't really done too much. Like my uncle had a heart attack this year, so every year we'd always go fishing. So this year I have Tom and Jerry fishing, oh. and I have the mouse catching the cat with a. Fishing rock, uh, I got the hockey stick with a fishing line on, so I did that for him this year.
2: What's your uncle's name?
1: Uh, Derek Ames.
2: Does he know about the helmet? Yeah. How'd that make him feel? that i got to be kind of cool that uh, you were thinking about him and care about him.
1: Yeah, it was something that was pretty emotional and it hit our family pretty hard, so it was something that I thought I could do for him.
2: All right, I got some rapid fire for you now. This is getting to know Tristan Jari. <laughs> What's your binge on Netflix?
1: Right now it's the Shooter series.
2: The Shooter? I don't know that one, do you? No.
1: What's it 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 about? It's kind of like the Shooter movie. (laughs) Okay, I've seen the movie. And they've made, I guess, a series out of it.
2: All right, music? Do you have a favorite Uh,
1: style artist? Country.
2: Country? What are you listening to right now? Luke Combs? Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> Going to the Luke Combs concert a couple of weeks ago, so. Did you go in PBG? Yeah. In, uh, how was it It was awesome. It gets up. Yeah. You went, right? I was
2: yeah. there. Yeah,
0: that was awesome.
2: So both big fans, huh? Yeah.
0: We were actually we were sitting right other. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? He was right <laughs> behind me. Yeah, I was trying to keep my composure, you know? I was way more excited <laughs> I, than I did see Luke him stand Holmes. up a couple
2: times. <laughs> <laughs> was he singing <laughs> it? Was he belting it out?
1: I was a little <laughs> worse the next day.
0: Thank God we didn't have a game.
2: <laughs> I see you got a couple tattoos. Any ones with a special meaning to you?
1: Uh, on my shoulder, I have an angel with a hockey stick. This is for my grandpa, same one that's on my helmet, just looking over me while I play. And then uh, I have live your, live your Dreams on my other bicep. Just, I guess, I got a young age. You know, <laughs> that I always thought it was cool.
2: Thank you so much, Tristan. We appreciate it. After recording our podcast with Tristan, he went off to St. Louis to take part in the NHL's All-Star Game and Skills Competition. He took part in the Breakaway Contest, where the goaltenders were expected to make as many consecutive saves on breakaways as they could. Then, of course, he suited up for the Metro Division in the NHL's All-Star Game Tournament Competition. Though the Metro Division did not win, they did have an incredible showing, and it was an incredible weekend overall. I had a chance to catch up with Tristan and continue our conversation and get his take on the entire weekend.
1: What was it like being named to the All-Star team and getting that kind of recognition? It was exciting, it was exciting because my parents were actually there in Vegas when I found out, so it was cool to be able to tell them in person, and then just being able to go is such an honor. What was that whole experience like being there, being among these stars, the whole festivities that go into it? It's cool, you don't really see from a player standpoint. I've always watched it on TV, and got to see it from that view, but being able to be a part of it and being with some of the best players in the world is pretty neat. And how about the SEALs competition? I know uh, you're part of the consecutive save category. It was fun. It's, it's, it's hard. It, you don't realize how hard it is you have to make as many consecutive saves as you can and then try and start a run over and over. So I think it was fun to be a part of it and it's definitely something to learn. And what about the game? I mean, going against all these great stars, three-on-three format. It has to be almost a nightmare for goaltenders. Yeah, you see how fast it is during the season, and then just there you have all the best players in the world going shift after shift, so it's fun to go up against them, and it's fun to try and stop them.
2: I know you were an all-star, but it seems like Alex Tang was the real all-star of the weekend. How about him stealing the show?
1: Yeah, I think that's great for Chris that he's able to bring his son Alex, and then Alex just to have as much fun with it. I think he enjoyed it as much as he could, and I think he had the most fun of all.
2: Thanks once again to Tristan Jari for joining us on the Scoop podcast. Once again, my name is Sam Kassan. From my partner in crime, Josh Getzoff, our executive producer, Wayne Gretzky-Anderson. That'll wrap it for another edition of the Scoop podcast, brought to you by PPG.